exciting things going on at Kensington I would love to tell you about. At Kensington, the sports references come naturally. You could say we have some crazy fans among us. So every year at the Super Bowl, we take time to pause from our current series and analyze the game. There's a lot of life lessons we can learn that we can apply to our own lives. It's fun, it's engaging, and it's humorous. It is the perfect service to invite someone to, especially that fan who might be a little reluctant to come to church at times. So come and join us as we learn about how it takes a team to win a game and how everyone has an important role to play. Should I do that? Giving Kensington a passion for building the kingdom near and far. We have over 10 global partners who are on the ground bringing Jesus to their communities. We support these partners with resources and with relationships. Our short-term trips bring us to the heart of what our partners are doing and gives us an opportunity to work together to bring the hope and love of Jesus to the nations. Our 2018 short-term trips are open to all with several locations including Latin America, Brazil, Haiti, India, Nepal, Kenya, and Israel, as well as special projects within the U.S. So if this is something that interests you, check out the link below. <laughs> yeah, that's going to take me a second. Okay. Okay. There is a new and exciting resource we want to share with you. So here's my friend Justin with more information. 
Hey Kensington Church, we are so excited to share something with you today. Through the years, I have benefited from listening to great podcasts, messages online, watching videos, attending conferences, and hearing from some different teachers, leaders, and perspectives in my desire to grow. I know that so many of these resources have encouraged my relationship with Jesus, how I lead my family, and how I lead others. And now, we have an opportunity that puts all of these resources into one place. It is the Netflix of Bible study material. There are over 14,000 videos that we're going to give you access to absolutely free. It's called Right Now Media. These videos are gonna help you in the areas of parenting, finances, your relationship with Jesus, questions around apologetics, your leadership in the workplace and at Kensington, the Bible studies you lead. These are great videos for your marriage, for your family, and for your kids. And we are so excited to be able to give you access to this resource because we believe it will encourage you, your family, and the people you are leading. And it will encourage moments where Jesus transforms and mobilizes you towards his mission and purpose in this world. We believe that will have an impact on the groups and teams that you lead here and throughout the week. We hope you enjoy Right Now Media. Visit our website to accept this free gift from Kensington. So that's it, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now I'd love for you to stand up and say hi to some people around you. So how'd you like our digital song and greeting, huh? Some of you are like, I need a real person up there. Well, today, as you can tell, is a little bit about digital. It's uh, the last week of Crave. We decided that, you know, sometimes this little device right here can be so important in our lives that it actually uh, can sort of take over our lives. And I got to tell you, this has been an interesting week for Ann and I, my wife and I. We spent the week in Denver. Uh, went out there last Saturday night, actually... Uh, thank, thank God for digital. On Saturday afternoon, we we're supposed to fly there Sunday. I got a text from Delta that said, snowstorm coming and you can change your flight for free. So we did. That's the beauty of digital. And we flew out there Saturday instead of Sunday, which really the reason I was excited is now I got to watch both AFC and NFC championship games. I was going to be flying during that. And we watched our grandkids all week while my middle son, Austin, and his wife, Kendall, went to Cabo for their first like vacation as a married couple. They have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. My only two grandkids are in Denver. So I got to be honest, I didn't look at this as much as I normally do in a week because I was a parent of a three-year-old girl and a one-year-old boy, and I've never had girls. I raised three sons, and it was unbelievable being around a little girl. Here's, here's my whole week. Olive, Porter, that's it right there. Chase Porter all around the house, boys go, girls talk. It was unbelievable. I'm like, you are the most precious thing in the world. Could you just be quiet for one minute? You know, talk, 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 talk. And I'd say, hey, Olive, how you doing? I'm not Olive, I'm Susan. You're who? And you're Edmund. 
witch in a wardrobe, you know, uh, wardrobe, whatever that thing is. You know, so in fact, here's a picture. By the way, they were gone. The parents were gone. So we were taking care of them all night too. Three-year-olds and one-year-olds don't sleep real well. Anybody know? In fact, if you are a parent of any children less than five years old, I bow to you. I bow to you. I forgot how much work it is. You don't sleep. You don't think about anything in your life but one or two or three or four people. Am I right? We should have you stand and we should give you applause. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're just so glad to be in church where you could actually look at each other and hear an adult talk. I get it. But here's a couple pictures from our week. Um, here's uh, Porter getting ready for bed. Can you tell he's really ready for bed right now? You know? And then here's Olive the same night in her little costume running around. Uh, she's Superman and Batman. I mean, we just had a blast and we are exhausted. And by the way, thank you to digital. We took those pictures on this phone, right? You know, 20 years ago, you would have seen no pictures because there's no way. I was like, where's the camera? It's in that bag. Where's that bag? You know, pick it up. You know, then you go to the dark room and you got to expose the paint. It's like, that's the world we used to live in. Now we live in that world where I can show you pictures like that. So there's an amazing beauty. And I believe actually a gift from God that digital is, right? It's, it's, it's actually one of the best things we've ever done. Because some of you, I want to see a show of hands. Some of you are old enough to remember some of these things. I remember eight-track players. How many? All right, that gives you an idea how old you are. I remember VHS, right? And there are kids in the room literally right now like, what are you talking about? You know, where you had to fast forward for 18 minutes to get to the scene that you wanted to see. Am I right? In the movie? Anybody remember uh, cassette tapes? I thought I was the coolest guy in high school because I put an 8-track player under my dash, and then I swapped that out and put a cassette player under my dash. Um, how about anybody old enough to remember when there were no microwaves? Anybody? Wow, there's a lot of hands. I mean, you kids don't know that we actually heated food up for like 30 minutes, and now we have things that do it in seconds, and we literally live in such a fast-paced world. I've done this, and I bet you have as well. You stand in front of the microwave and say, hurry up. What are you doing? Come on. It's like 28 seconds and it's not fast enough for us. I mean, it is such a different world. We have instant news. Used to wait for the paper to show up on your, your driveway. Now you wake up and it's on your phone instantly. Everything that happened, even while you're sitting. I'm old enough to remember when TV went off at midnight. Anybody? It went off when, at midnight. It's like, you got to go to bed. That's it. There's nothing on. There's only like four channels anyway, and you're all fuzzy. Uh, how about this? We even live in a day where there are instant sermons. It used to be if you wanted to hear a sermon, you went to church and you had a preacher give you a sermon. Today, I'm like the worst sermon you get. <laughs> you're listening to all these people on, online that are really, really good. That's why they're there. And it's like, golly, I don't want to listen to Wilson. I got all the, it's, it's crazy. In fact, think of this. Right now, Right now, there are over a thousand people live streaming this service, watching this right now at home or in a car. Or like I did literally last Sunday morning, I live streamed from Denver with, with two-year-olds and three-year-olds watching Cody, my son, do last week's sermon. While I was watching, it's like, what a world we live in that I can watch church in fact, the last service, I got a text while I said that from a friend that says, I'm on the couch right now live streaming with your son's dog <laughs> who had surgery last night. I'm like, what? I'm reading that as I'm preaching. Like, what? Because he ate a bone. And had... Anyway, long story, right? But that's the world we live in. And by the way, if you're thinking right now of going home next week and live streaming, 
I mean, you can do that if you want to, but I would encourage you to come. But here's what I would tell you. And you probably figured this out by now, especially if you're sort of new with us since uh, Christmas. This service, 1030, is our most packed service. You know that? In fact, I just got a text from Becky Lee, our campus director, right before I walked up here and said, please tell people there's a backup to Silver Bowl right now. People are still going to be coming in. So when I have you stand up in a second to do this little digital test, I'm going to ask you at the end of the test to scoot in because they're still coming in. We've found out a lot of people show up at 1030 now at 11. And they didn't come at 11. They came at 1020. But because of the backup, this service is so packed. So here's what I would really encourage you to consider. Come to the 845 or come to the 1215 or come to the 6 p.m. I'm just telling you that. Seriously, if you want to be able to get in better and there's a little more room in both of those services, uh, obviously we're not kicking you out of the service, but I'm just telling you to think through that. Man, if you bring a friend of somebody who's never been here, probably this is the time they'll want to come. It's the best probably hour for a, a visitor to come. So bring them at 1030. But if you don't, I encourage you to think about another service because it's always going to be this way. And by the way, a church that has traffic and parking problems is a good thing. I know you get, I, I get it. That's what we do when we drive in here. But if you're at a church where the parking lot's empty, that's not a good thing. It's a good thing that we have to tell you to crunch in and leave, leave room on the aisles for people. So here's what I want to do. I, I wrote this little digital test yesterday as I was flying back from Denver. Like, I want to find out who is not addicted to their digital devices. By the way, by the way, one of the interesting things about your digital devices is they're incredible gifts from God. I really think, if, if, if you even think about this, when I was in college and became a follower of Christ, one of the things I learned the Bible says is that Jesus isn't coming back until the gospel gets to the whole world. Right? And so you're, you're in the 70s and you're in college, you're like, how's that ever going to happen? So there were Bible translators and you gave money to them and they'd say they'd get the scriptures and, on paper and they'll get them into the jungles and they'll get them to third world countries. And once the word of God gets everywhere, there's a, you know, it's, 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 and you're like, that's going to take hundreds of years. Well, now you're like the word of God on your phone. And I hope you have version or a Bible app on your phone is everywhere. I've been in the, the bush in Africa, putting wells in that we, we fund through uh, Hope Water Running. We put wells in there and you look out in the bush and people have these in their hands. You're like, what in the world? And what they have on their phone is the Word of God. So it's amazing, amazing digital technology, amazing, incredible blessing of God. But at the same time, it can be dangerous, right? Because I don't know if you've been reading even recently what uh, the inventor of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, and some of the guys have been saying about online social media. You've been reading it? It's really interesting. Zuckerberg said, we created Facebook to be addictive in nature, and it is. And now we're realizing that's a bad thing. We need to... They're two investors with Apple. They're worth $2 billion each. They sent a letter to Apple and says, we got to get control of this. This is wrong. I just read last week an article about Bill Gates and how he raises his kids in the digital world. They do not get a cell phone in the Gates home until they're 14 years old. He says, this is not something you hand a 10-year-old. It's too addictive in nature. It's great. It can be bad. And they, they can't process the right and wrong of it. So he doesn't let his kids have one until they're 14. It's like, Oh my gosh, these are the guys that invented this stuff and they're yet saying this can be really... So here's one of the things they found. There's a study that's found out the more hours a teenager spends online, the more depressed they can become. Why? Because they're in comparison mode looking at Facebook pages and Snapchat and Instagrams of other people posting what? Their best days in life. They never post bad days. They post the best of all. But we look at it and think that's a normal day for them. My day is nothing like that, so we're depressed. 
You ever felt that in your life? In fact, they said, if you spend over an hour a day online, you're in trouble. That's what they said. These are doctors saying, we've studied this. Your brain processes it differently now because of the social media. Be very careful with this. Uh, I've shared this here before, but a couple years ago, I was flying around Facebook. I don't have it, but my wife does. And actually, Ann and I are both going to have a Facebook page called Vertical Marriage when our book gets ready to release. So we're going to be in that world. But anyway, I'm looking at different things on Facebook. And I see this post from a friend of mine's wife. And it's a picture of her husband, who I know well, and you may know him as well because he used to play for the Detroit Lions. And it's a picture of him holding something that I've cherished my whole life. In fact, here's the picture. This is a couple years ago. This is Luther Ellis holding the Super Bowl trophy. Now, some of you know why he's holding the trophy. Others of you don't. Luther played for the Lions for like seven or eight years, then bounced around a couple other teams. He never won a Super Bowl with the Detroit Lions, right? But two years ago, he became the Denver Broncos chaplain for one season. You catch my drift? One season he was in and done. In that one season, they won the Super Bowl. And he sent that picture out. I am so mad. I'm like, God, one year he gets the Super Bowl trophy. Anybody want to know my stats? Huh? You know my stats? How many years Detroit Lions chaplain? Take a guess. 33 years. Hopefully 34 with a new coach. We'll never know. How many Super Bowl victories? Zero. How many playoff victories in 33 years? One. One. 1991, we beat the Cowboys at the Silverdome. I mean, that's it. One year. Look at that. It just makes me so mad. I cannot believe it. Anyway, that's enough. I can't even look at that thing anymore. But I'm depressed now. I'm angry. I don't even like Luther anymore. It's like, oh my gosh. You know? It's so, in fact, I've, I've said this so many times to him. He's like, dude, okay, I get it. I'll cut my ring in half and send you half of it. I'm like, that's real funny. He goes, no, I did your chapel messages at all the chapels, so it was your material. I go, why did it work out there and it didn't work here? Anyway, that's, that's social media. So I want to find out if you're addicted to, to social media. So stand up. Here's what we're going to do. Do a little test. This is my little test. We'll find out. So when I read this, if you've done this, you sit down. The people that remain standing are the ones that are, are winning this battle. They're not, they're not losing the craving for digital, right? So... Sit down if a loved one has ever told you that you have a problem with your phone or your device. If ever a loved one or, or even a good friend has told you, look at that. There's probably more people that should be sitting down right now. But I got to be honest, I would be sitting down right now. My wife has already told me many times this is a problem in our relationship. Okay, there's still a lot of people up. How about this? You regularly do email, text, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, while sitting on the toilet. All right, take a real good look at those people, all right? Do not shake their hand, ever, all right? <laughs> and by the way, I'd be sitting down again. That's great time right there, man. Some of you are there one minute. Some of us are there 20 minutes. You can get a lot of work done. Okay. Um, your phone or your device is the last thing you look at before you go to sleep and the first thing you look at when you wake up. Yeah, that is true of a lot of people. That is true. Now, look at all these people that are still standing. This is great. How about this? You can't go five minutes without checking social media. You can't go five minutes. It's like five minutes or less, you're checking something. Okay, you're still up. How about this? You often text while driving. Please, please don't sit down. Often, I said. And by the way, I, I added this. You just lied about the last question. 
This came to me on the plane. There's some people that are too embarrassed to say this, so they're still standing. They're still lying right now. Here we go. Um, when your phone buzzes, your heart rate elevates until you check to see what the alert is. Anybody have that? You're in a meeting or sitting there and it buzzes and you shouldn't look down at it because you're in a meeting or you're with somebody that's a very important thing and you just, you're, you just feel like, like it just happened. Look at that. And I had to look. And it's doing it again. Somebody's texting me right now. Quit that. All right. Um, how about this? You have answered an email or text while your loved one is sharing their heart with you. Nobody's sitting down on that, you liars. All right. How about this? You often answer emails, texts, or whatever at stoplights. In fact, you're the guy that people have to beep to tell you the light changed. I get so mad at you. All right. Uh, Not that I've ever done that. Uh, At every event in your life, you pull out your phone to capture it on video or picture. Look at these people. They're, they're, They're clean. How about when your little kids pretend to be you, they're on their phone. They walk around like this. All right, these are the people that probably aren't addicted. You can give them a hand. All right, that's good. That's good. Way to go. And the rest of you are like me, and we're addicted. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to confess right now before God that we're addicted to our cell phones. Say, I am addicted. All right, you're forgiven. Okay, here we go. I'm kidding. But, you know, it's really interesting that we're even talking about this because when we set up this Crave series, things we can't say no to, this wasn't on the list. As we sat down to sort of reevaluate, this is, you know, like half a year ago, the series, we were in this meeting, we were like, we probably need to talk about this because we did a Crave series 10 years ago and this wasn't on it. And we're like, this is an area that people have a craving that they just can't say no to. It's interesting. Uh, I've told you back in the fall, I went to uh, see Paul McCartney, the greatest, you know, Beatle uh, ever concert at Little Caesars. I've seen him every time he's come through Detroit, and it was, he was back here this fall. And so I'm there with uh, my oldest son, CJ, my youngest son, Cody, and my nephew, Pete. We're all sitting there. And as soon as Paul came on stage, guess what happened? I just thought how different it was back in the 70s when I went to uh, Cleveland and saw Sticks or Beach Boys or uh, uh, Chicago, you name it. The second he came on stage, the whole room, I can show you a picture of almost everybody in the room is videoing the concert. And I thought, isn't it interesting that they're doing this rather than doing this? He's right there, but they're doing this so that they can share it or watch it later, right? And I thought, what a different world it is. And I don't know if you know this, but as you study this whole digital realm, which I've been doing for now several weeks, you find out that there's really some good things and some really negative things. Do you know that doctors have studied what happens to our brains when we're at an event and all we do is take pictures and video it? In fact, they, they call it, here's what happens. It's called the photo-taking imp- impairment effect. <laughs> they have a term for it. And I wrote it down. It says, this, this effect is when people have a harder time remembering something that they were at because they took too many photos of it. They said, what happens to your brain as I read this little study, is basically when you pull your phone out and you start taking pictures or video in this event, you're saying to your brain, you can take this one off, I've got it. And here's what happens. When you ask them questions about the event later, they don't remember details of people that didn't pull out phones because they experienced the event, the others saved it to share or watch later and they didn't really see and experience what was happening right in front of them. And as you hear that, some of you are going, I've done that. That's a bad thing. I was doing that at the Paul McCartney concert. 
I pulled out my phone, I started doing this, and I realized I'm looking at this rather than that. And guess what? It hit me right there. It's like, there's going to be better video online than what I'm getting. A lot better audio than what I'm getting. What am I doing? So I put it away. And guess what? I experienced the event the way I was designed to. You want a great video of a concert? Go online and watch it. You don't need to take it and say, hey, I was there. Look at me. I'm important. But that's sort of what we do. So let me give you a couple stats, which will probably blow your mind. The average person spends how many hours a day on their phone or on their digital device? You want to take a guess? Average is five hours. Average teenager is nine hours. You're thinking I'm making this stuff up. No, you can Google it just like I did on the World Wide Web. (laughs) Remember that term that we thought would never stay? It's all there. It's like there's studies that say, oh my gosh, the average person in America watches four hours of TV a day. Not just digital, just a screen. Times seven, that's 28 hours a week, plus add other devices and other screens. Guess what? We are a culture that has a problem with this. And again, there's benefits and beauties and unbelievable blessings of having digital devices, but there's also a danger that it can become the thing that controls your life. It's interesting that in this one study in a, in a, 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 a publication called Common Sense Media, they found that parents spend an average of nine hours and 22 minutes a day in front of various screens. And that's what they said. They said, all the parents said, that's mostly work-related. They found out that eight of those nine hours were for personal use. And then they also said, the funny part was, 78% of these parents surveyed believed that they were good role models for their children of how to use digital technology. And the opposite was actually true. They were not good role models, yet they thought they were. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you just one big idea for a whole day. And by the way, think about this. I was going to tell you after the digital test to say, turn off your phone, don't put it on airplane mode, turn it off and leave it off for the whole thing. And I knew there'd be people like, I'm not doing that. I cannot live with that off for two hours that you're going to preach. I'm only going to preach 30. So here's the thing. This can be a tremendous blessing right now. You know why? If you use this phone like I did last Sunday in Denver at a church I'd never been to, my son's church, while the preacher got up to preach, what did I do? I pulled out my phone and I took a note on everything he said. Every scripture he referenced, I grabbed it from version, copied and pasted it, put it right there. So I had the scripture he's using. I have his points. I can highlight. I can italicize. I'm taking notes the whole time. I'm sure people around me are thinking, how rude are you to be on your phone while the guy's preaching? I did that so I could then send it to my people in my life that I want them to hear what I just heard. I I recalled some of it last night as I sat down with Cody and said, here's what the preacher said last week at church. There it was right on my phone. It's an unbelievable blessing. And let me tell you, if you take notes of what I'm saying today, you've seen the studies, right? You will remember 82% more of what you heard today than if you don't do anything. And people say all the time, why doesn't church transform my life? Because all we do is sit, listen, and forget. Go out. Somebody asked you on Tuesday, what was the point of the day? Like, ah, you should be able to pull out your phone and go, right, here's a scripture. I just put it there. I'm going to memorize that passage right there. It's an unbelievable life. Guy told me in the lobby right after that first service. He says, I was at the Birmingham campus last year. And he goes, and he scrolled through. He has notes for five years of sermons at every Kensington service he's been at. He goes, I take notes on everything. 
And he goes, this lady literally walked over to me and goes, you are the most rude person I've ever seen in my life. And she walked out. Because he was on his phone during the service. And I said, did you tell her what you're doing? She goes, nope. I just let her go. And I told him right there, I said, Jim Caldwell did the same thing every single chapel. He was back there taking notes. And he showed me one time, I have every chapel service I've ever been a part of in 30 years in the NFL. Some on paper, but now digital. So it's an unbelievable gift. But if we're not careful, it can destroy our lives. So I have one big idea. Why do I have one big idea? Because I want you to remember it. And you don't need to remember five things. You remember one thing. And it's hit me yesterday flying back. It's like, how do I say everything I want to say in one statement? It's this, 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 this is it. What's in front of you is more important than what's in your hand. It's that simple, folks. What's in front of you, people, events, in front and around us are more important than anything in your hand. Now, I'm not saying that things in your hand aren't important. There may be a text coming in from a loved one or a child or somebody in your life. It may be really important. So I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying, when you think about this device and what's going on in this, this world, it's not as important as what's going on right in front of you with people and with events. You understand what I'm saying? That's my big idea. What's in front of you is more important than what's in your hand. And by the way, You'll find out later where I got that big idea. I did not come up with that. A 20-year-old did. And when I heard it, I said, there it is. That is a, uh, a universal truth that is timeless, that will live forever. And that's what a big idea, a theme is. What's in front of you is more important than anything in your hand. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you two practical, just two practical steps. And again, they both start with the letter L. Why? Because I want you to remember this. I want you to actually do this. I'm honestly hoping today is a life-changing day. Not just digitally, but I think you might remember this. At the beginning of Crave, four weeks ago, we said, at the end of Crave, we're going to invite you to do an altar call. Anybody remember? Some of you came prepared with a Crave token, like something that's been the the area of your life that you have really struggled to say no to, and you're going to lay it on the stage at the end of the service and go back to your seat, and we're going to to go vertical, but we're going to invite, we're going to do an altar call. A Crave altar call where you lay something down. We gave you this little piece of paper right here. You can see the number have been up here from the first service, and you can write it if you want, if you didn't bring an object or something. I thought there'd be, there'll be alcohol bottles, there'll be porn stuff, there'll be digital phones, hopefully iPhone 10s laying on the phone, I'd say, I'm kidding about that, but it's like, you know, Cody even said last week, one, one high school kid realized porn was killing his life, and he took his computer and broke it, and you think that's radical, like, what an idiot, actually it was a step of freedom. Literally a step of freedom. And so today's a day where you get to lay something on the stage, pick up one of these blue chips, which is a day one chip that we give the people at Celebrate Recovery when they come back for the second time. Because the first time they come, they're checking it out. Like, I, I'm struggling with something. I want to go to a place where people are honest and safe and I can grow, but I don't know if I really want to take this. When they come back the second week and say, okay, I want to start this journey, they get this blue chip and we're going to ask you to exchange your, your, your thing. Here's a mirror here. I'm guessing somebody struggles with body image, what we talked about last week. There's all kinds of things. And we're not going to look at these. We're going to pray over these, but you get to, that's what we're going to do. So I think today can be a life-changing day. And here's how it starts. Two quick thoughts. First one is this. Look up. It's that simple. We spend our lives doing this. I, think about it. Everywhere you go, I walked back in the green room right before the service, first service, and I look at it. Everybody's like this. Sitting around the table, they're all there. They're doing this. That's what we all do. Go out to a restaurant today after service and watch people who aren't interacting with the people sitting across the table from them. They're doing this. My wife has told me, I joked about it before, she has told me this is a problem in our marriage. 
And guess what I've said? No, it isn't. What are you talking about? She goes, we're sitting on the couch. We're having a discussion. This discussion takes a turn. It gets pretty serious. And you're over there and you're, and you go, you know, you're fighting like, ah, I should be here because this is really important. She just said she doesn't love me anymore, but uh, who is this? Uh, oh, yeah, I can play golf. Uh, I want... She has said this is literally a problem in her life. And for years I've said, you're wrong, it isn't. She's right, it is. And by the way, I've said this the whole series. If anyone who knows you well and loves you has told you any one of these topics we've talked about is a problem in your life, what have I told you? It's a problem in your life. Dude, you're drinking too much. I'm not drinking too much. You're drinking too much. This phone is coming between us. It's like every time we have, it's a problem. And so all I'm saying is this. It's so simple. Stop looking down every minute. And again, I'm not saying you never look down because we have to look down. There's things that happen here that are important, right? But get out of this life. This is our life now. I see people walking I walk through the halls of Kensington. It's like texting while walking, you know, and people walking by me. It's like, whoa, whoa, look up. And I added this too. Look up and look around. Look up means get off the device for a while and look around to what's happening to you. It is so important to think about your life. What are you missing because you're spending all your time right here? And I know you're thinking, yeah, but there's a lot that I'm catching here. You're missing a lot of life right here. How about this for a hypothetical? Picture a college junior, kid, 20, 19, 20 years old, surrenders his life to Jesus, wants to grow, like surrendered. I am no longer, this guy is no longer living that life. He needs a new life, and he knows he needs men and people in his life that are on fire to help him walk this way. So he prays. A week after surrendering his life, he literally prays to God, this guy, this hypothetical guy. He says, God, run me into, and he has a woman in mind because he knows this girl is on fire and she will be able to help him, but more importantly, connect him to a church where some men are who are college kids that are on fire. He knows this girl because he's watched her walk with God and he's like, God, bump me into her. The next morning, After he prays that prayer to God, he walks out of a locker room by a tennis court. And as he walks by the tennis court, he sees that girl he prayed to meet playing tennis with her mom. And so he goes up to the fence and he says, hey, when we going to play tennis? That's his pickup line. (laughs) To which she turns around and says, how about tomorrow? Which they do. And guess what happens? They start talking. He tells her he just gave his life to Christ. She's so excited because she did that months before. She connects him to a church. They start dating. They fall in love. He goes back to campus after the summer of spending a summer dating her. The Campus Crusade for Christ staff on the campus say, what happened to you? You were on fire. Did you go on a mission trip this summer? He says, no, I just started dating this girl who loves Jesus. And every time we're together, I fall deeper in love with Jesus. They go, keep dating that girl. And he doesn't just date her. He gets engaged and marries her. They actually start a church together with some other people. They travel around the country and do marriage conferences. They have three sons all married and two grandkids in Denver. They just finished a marriage book that's coming out next January. Oh, did I mention who that hypothetical guy was? That was me. And that's our story. And there's so much more to that story. But think about this. If I would have walked out of that locker room that day like this, which is so often what I do, there's Ann playing tennis with her mom. I just prayed to meet her, but I'm not looking up. I'm looking down, and I'm 
doing this, boom, boom, boom. Guess what happens? I don't see her. Who knows what the story is? And again, I'm, I'm sort of exaggerating, but I don't think I'm exaggerating. I'm wondering how much of life do we miss because we're doing this all the time. Look up. Because what's in front of you is more important than what's in your hand. You got it? It's that important. It's like, look up and look around. Now, where do I get this idea? I'll tell you exactly where I get this idea. Jesus was once asked, I know many of you know this. I hope some of you don't even know where this is going. This would be great. You're, you're so new to this, you're like, tell me what, what Jesus answered. He was asked this question. And if you and I were around Jesus, I think we would ask him the same thing. We would say at some point, being around him, realizing he's God. He's God in flesh. He knows things we don't know. We'd be like, Jesus, of all the things I can do with my life, of all the things I've involved in, and all the relationships, what is the most important thing I should be doing? What is the top priority? God, you're my creator. Tell me. Do you realize that question was asked of him? It's recorded in Mark chapter 12, where one of his disciples wrote this. It says, of all the commandments, which is the most important? This was a religious leader. And Jesus said, the most important one, Jesus said, is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And some of you know this. Jesus was literally quoting the Shema, it's called, from Deuteronomy 6. It was, the, it was the anthem of the nation of Israel. The Jewish people would state this many times. Love the Lord your God, one God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. They would chant, this is why we exist. This is what we're supposed to do every single day. What are they saying? Look up. Look up. Stop looking here. Look up and love him with everything you got. And then Jesus added something that wasn't in the Shema. He said, and the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So in a sense, what did Jesus say? It's so simple. Some of you don't even know why you exist, why you're here, why God created you, what he wants you to do. I just told you. And Jesus is so great of a teacher. He makes it so simple. He basically says this, you want to know why you're here? 1A, 1B. It's not two thoughts. It's one thought with two aspects. He says, love God, love people. Look up, look around. That's what he's saying. Look up, love me. I'm your creator. I made you with everything you've got. Love me. And as you love me and see me and understand who I am, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you eyes to go, okay, now take those eyes and invest in people. The people you're in your family, your neighbor next door, the guy you're, the guy you're beside at class, everywhere you go, the guy on the plane beside you, the Uber driver in your car, everywhere you go, he's like, look up, look around, look up, look around. I hope that becomes a mantra for you this week. Look up, look around. What am I doing? Here, I, I hope when your head goes like this, you go, whoa, 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 look up, look around. You know, my oldest son, CJ, his birthday is on Martin Luther King Day every year, January 15th. What an incredible day to celebrate not only Martin Luther King and what he's done, and I could talk about that forever, but also CJ every year. That's his birthday. And so we had a big birthday party at our house, which means CJ and his wife were there. Apollo was there, the dog that ate a bone and had to have surgery. They're, they're there. Cody and Jenna are there. Our nephew Pete and Edie and uh, Kristen are there. We have this big thing. And if you know anything about uh, Anne, it's in the book. It's pretty funny uh, how I write this up. But I'm a guy that when birthdays comes, I want to do it like birthdays when I was a kid. One gift like a pair of socks for three bucks and we're done. You know, you're going to have a whole bunch of these. So here you go. You know, Anne is like, every birthday is Disney world. I'm not kidding. Every birthday, every year, balloons, cake, 
five or six gifts. You know, it's just like, oh my gosh, he's turning like 31 or 32. I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, he's a grown man. He doesn't need all this stuff. So it's like this big event. So we're having this big thing. We're sitting around the table. And Anne always loves to do this. Every birthday we do this. This is her thing. She, her motto is make a memory. So she always says, okay, we're going to go around the table and everybody's going to speak something into CJ that has been something we love about him. You know, so it really ends up being a beautiful thing every time. It's like, somebody will say this, CJ, we love this about you, and you're so there. So we're doing this thing. And while this is happening, I'm sitting at the end of the table, just blowing out the candles, which I videoed, <laughs> you know, and probably don't remember it as well, because I did. But anyway, so we're sitting there. I have my phone sitting on my, my thigh, like I always do. And here's the thing going on in front of me. And my phone goes, Bzzz. and I'm not kidding. As soon as my phone goes, Bzzz, my heart rate goes, I can feel it. And I know I shouldn't look down. I shouldn't look down because I'm experiencing this birthday and you don't get birthdays. You never know if you're getting another one, right? We're not guaranteed anything. So it's like, celebrate this moment. It's make a memory. And it's like, it does it again, you know, because it comes again to, to remind you, you didn't look the first time, right? And thank you. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, I shouldn't look. I shouldn't look. Oh, I just got to look real quick. It's probably nothing. Oh, really? So that's what's going on. Oh, they need my answer right now. Right? My eyes are still up comes back. They didn't like my answer. They need another answer. So now I'm getting frustrated and anxious. And I realize, oh my gosh, I'm missing the party. And I literally had to go, whoa. (laughs) Some of you just freaked out. You might have broke your life, right? (laughs) Oh my God. I should just leave it there. You know what I mean? It's just a seven plus. I mean, I don't even have the, you know. Oh, the screen's fine. <laughs> By the way, I've changed screens myself. $85, you can do it. For you, I'll do it for 120 Anyway, um, but I thought right there, I was sitting there, I, I just had this thought, don't miss the party. And here's my, here's my challenge to you. Are you missing the party? And literally, you know, I don't mean birthday party. I mean, like, you're missing life by looking down. I'm saying to you, I think God is saying to all of us, look up and look around. Don't miss these moments. They're that critical in your life by videoing them or taking pictures. And again, those are great things. I'm not saying that, but it's just like we spend so much of our time right here. We forget why we're here. We're here to look up and look around, to love God and love others. And that doesn't mean just people you like. That means everybody. We love God, and because we love God, he will say, yes, now I'm going to fill you with my love, and I want you to take that love around to others. So it's look up and look around. Here's my last thought. I told you there's only two. Two and a half. Look up and look away. Now, look away is just almost the same thing, but a little different. Look away means, I think, one of the wisest things we can do with this is stop looking at it for periods of time. This has an addictive nature. It's the way our brains work. It, it, it actually creates endorphins. When you look at this and you get a rush from likes or shares and we get identity and self-esteem, which we talked about for, first week, from this. Think about this. We are the most connected generation ever in the history of the world and we are disconnected. Think about that, that very phrase. We are connected like never before, digitally. You have thousands of friends, and these are the right way to do it. Because they're not really friends. They friend you, and you say, I have friends, but you're lonely. Why? You're connected but disconnected. 
You can read any study you want that says this generation is bankrupt in relationships even though we're connected like never before. And we actually thought when we got this technology, this will be great. We'll be able to do relationships better and it's actually a hindrance to real relationships. Do you realize that uh, 93% of communication is nonverbal? You know that, right? So when somebody sends you a text or Facebook post that says, I'm really happy, and they're like this, you don't see this, and it's a lie, but you don't know. So you think they're happy, but they're not. And the next thing you find out, they committed suicide, or they left their marriage, or they're addicted to alcohol, and you're like, wait, 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 all these posts, you didn't get any of the nonverbals, because relationship happens in real life, where people look at each other, not at a phone or at a a text. It's real life. And so what I'm saying is you got to look up and look around, but sometimes you just got to put that thing away and look away. I read study after study this week about even new apps that are on your phone that can help you turn it off. I honestly think, here's what I'll tell you. Some of you remember this. How am I doing? Oh, I'm, I'm done. Okay. I'll tell you this real quick. I would say once a day, once a week, and once a year, put your phone away. I copied Rick Warren, who said, divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. Anybody remember that? DD, divert daily, WW, withdraw weekly, AA, abandon annually. Which means once a day, if you really want to walk with God, you need to turn off the world and focus on your relationship with God. Once a day, if you really want your marriage to be great, you need to turn off the world and communicate with your spouse for five or 10 minutes, once a day. Most marriages never do that. Once a day, if you really want to get control of your device, turn it off for five minutes. By the way, there's a little button called do not disturb. You know that, right? Nobody can disturb you. And you're like, yeah, but there's people that I can't actually turn off. They could be emergency. Do not disturb except from these people. And I'm not kidding. I've read study after study where people come home, put these in a basket. Teenagers do this because they realize this has got my life. They put it in a basket and turn it off for the night. You're like, oh, is that possible? Yes, that's called divert daily. Once a week, I challenge you to do this. Once a week, turn it off for a day. If you're like, oh, I can never do that. Okay, for two hours. By the way, there's little apps. There's one called Forest, where you put the timer how long you want your phone off. And if you make it that entire time, it plants a digital tree in a forest. And if you don't, if you're like, I can't, I can't, and you pick it up and turn it on, it goes, go back to work, you loser. Your tree just died. (laughs) Put that app on your phone. It's called Forest. It's a great way to play the game like, I got to turn this off for an hour or for five hours. And withdrawal weekly is a principle from scripture called the Sabbath. Do you realize that taking a day of rest out of seven, one out of seven every week is a 10 commandment? You're like, it's not that important. God said it's one of the most important 10 things you'll ever do. You will not be as good at work on the six days you work if you don't rest on one of them. It's the same thing digitally. Take a day off. And then abandon annually is this simple. Once a year, get away and and pour into your walk with God. It's called a spiritual retreat. Women, you got one coming up in spring called Smash. Go. Once a year, pull away and focus on your marriage. You want to join Ann and I next weekend in St. Louis? We're going to do a marriage retreat and be back here for the Super Bowl. From one of the former Detroit Lions players that are bringing us in to 100 couples to say, pour into these marriages in St. Louis where we live. Two weekends after that, we're doing one in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Again, we'll be right back up to the weekend. Once a year, pour into your marriage. And I'm saying, once a year, turn off that phone for a week. In fact, I'll invite you to something. You don't have to turn your phone off. That's radical, I know, but you could. We are starting February 20th 
a 40 days of prayer up to Easter. Right over there. We turned our closet over there into a prayer room, and it's epic. It's got a little waterfall in there. It's got music in there. It's got pillows in there. We're going to lock the door, and you can sign up for an hour, 24-7. It's going to be all day, all night for 40 days. It'll end on Saturday night as Easter starts on Sunday morning. Actually, Easter's all that weekend, but you can be a part of it. You can sign up right there, kensingtonchurch.org slash 40 days, and join us. You can go in there by yourself. You can take your son or your spouse in there, go in there, do whatever you want. It's just really for people to go in there, spend an hour, two hours. We're actually going to read the entire Bible in those 40 days. So when you walk in, it'll say, read this passage, check it off. And so together, we will read the entire Bible in 40 days. And we're going to pray that God starts doing miracles actually continues to do miracles like he did in the past right here in this campus, in this church, this year, right? We started 2018 saying this will be the best, day, best year of your life. It starts today. So that'd be one way to just turn your phone off, walk in that room and for an hour say, I'm going to do nothing but pray to God about my life and about what he's doing here and ask him to do great things. And you watch, God will do again what he did in the past. We're even going to sing that song as you walk up and put your token up here. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to watch this story. This is a great story of a 20-year-old girl from this campus who had a radical uh, encounter with this digital device. And by the way, as you listen to her story, you'll see where I got my big idea. It came from her. She said it in this video. I'm like, that is as well said as anybody. And so as we, as we show this video, we're going to take the offering. So the usher is going to come and pass the pouch. And by the way, taking the offering is a moment to stop and say, what really matters in life? Love God, love others. That means I'm going to give back to God to bless others. And so thank you for giving. Those of you that are new, you can just uh, watch this moment. But this is a moment to let God uh, speak to us as we give back to God. And then we'll sort of take a walk together. So watch this. in a Christian home as I got older and kind of headed into high school swimming upstream kind of gets tiring and that affected relationships with my parents I was disrespectful fighting with them a lot disconnected with my siblings wasn't spending time with them and typically were the five amigos and really good friends and I was kind of not part of that anymore I played volleyball all four years of high school and I was looking to play in college It was a four-day tournament my junior year, and I did something to my back, and I tweaked it. And I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you're done. It's over. And that was a crushing moment for me, just to know that I couldn't play the sport I loved anymore. I was angry with God. I think I found a lot of my identity through that. I used social media as a crutch for that feeling of, that was worth something and I found my worth in that. Because I was fighting with my parents and didn't feel connected with my siblings, time on my phone was a lot. Social media became a big part. It was kind of my escape at home for sure and even within school. I spent countless hours on Instagram, Snapchatting different people, Facebook, you name it, I was on it and I was doing it a lot. Having people like your picture or talking to them People telling you that you're so pretty um, felt good, and it was what I wanted to hear. So I used that as an escape to get validation from the world. As I was feeling lost and making poor decisions, one of my 
poor decisions was I got drunk at a Friday night football game in high school. And at the game, one of the teachers took notice. Um, that teacher did know who my parents were and he did tell them what had happened that night. My parents confronted me about it that night that they found out and I denied everything. I said, there's no way, I wasn't drunk. He saw me drinking water. Based on how I was acting and everything else going on in life, they knew that something was wrong and they knew that I was lying in that moment. My parents are not the type of parents that ground someone for two weeks and tell them to do better. Um, the moment that they found out my life was pretty much over. My phone was gone for all of senior year. Being 18, it was the end of the world. I could no longer escape into that world. I could no longer keep in touch with all my friends on Snapchat. I could no longer be told that I'm really pretty on social media. It was, I was detached. A couple days after I was grounded, um, I was still pretty angry and I came home from school and kind of got into another fight about it with my parents and even was more mad. And one of the things I do when I'm mad is I like to drive. And so that night I did ask my parents, can I just go for a drive? And they did allow me to do that. And as I was driving, my mom always had on the Christian radio station and I was listening to that and a song came on and it was talking about how God just wants you to come home and about his grace and his love. And immediately I was just overwhelmed and I pulled over and just sobbed and just was my moment of being brought to my knees. And that was the moment that my life was forever changed. And that was my full surrender to God and kind of letting him take control of my life. The weeks following that moment with Jesus looked different. It was a time that I felt God's unconditional love and his grace, and I felt forgiven. And I felt like he was just embracing me and just whispering, welcome back. He was saying, welcome back to reality. Welcome back to what's going on around you. He was telling me that what's in front of me is what mattered. It was my siblings, it was my parents, and it was relationship with him. It was spending time with him. I had goals for myself that I wanted to finish at least the New Testament um, before I left for college. I looked forward to getting that time with him and learning more about Jesus and who he is and answering the question of why do I follow him? Why did I surrender my life to him? I have fallen completely in love with Jesus and I have learned that my validation and my worthiness come from him. It does not come from social media, but it really comes from the word and what Jesus is saying about me and how he sees me and who I am to him. Now that's a great story. I'm sitting over there, I've watched this several times, and I'm tearing up, thinking about all the little factors in that story that made her surrender to Jesus happen. Honestly, I, I was... First service, I was sitting there, and uh, when their story was told, one of the guys I coached football with at Adams turned to his wife when she said, one of the teachers called my parents, and I thought, I bet it was him. I walked over, I go, dude, were you the one? He goes, yeah. He goes, that was the hardest phone call. And his wife there, we talked about it, like, should we? Should we, should we intervene? Should we just let it go? And we made the call, and I go, way to go. And then I thought, how many parents 
have the guts and the courage to take their daughter's phone away, not for a week, the entire senior year. That's guts. I mean, most of us are too wimpy, like, I can't do that. They would, they, I'm guaranteed, Matt, Linda, did Madison throw a fit? There she is. She said over there, yeah, she threw a fit. And they held on to that. And that decision, because they cared more about who was in front of them than her world or anybody's world on this device, literally changed their life. And I also thought of this, which I didn't say last service. I thought, she's in a car and she's listening to what? Vertical music. As you walk, we're going to sing vertical music. I got to tell you something. Vertical music, worship music, gives strength and power to win over your craves. And if the only time you hear this music is when you're here, good luck. I'm going to tell you, download the songs you hear us sing right now that you get to sing. They're prayers. They give life. They give energy. They take you from this to this, and it's where you find life. The only way you're going to live what you do right now. You're going to walk up here and put a piece of paper down with a name on it or something you might have brought. You're going to lay it down here. You're going to pick up this chip. This chip says we're starting a journey. That journey is only going to change your life if what? You look up and you look around. In other words, you connect with God because he's the only one that can give you the power to win this. Because you probably won it a couple times before, but then you fall back in again. One of the songs we're going to say, sing is God. When there was no way, you made a way. Do it again. I've seen you move mountains and I never thought you could, but you can do it again, and I believe you can do it again. So it's like, I need God to give me strength, but I also need people. So when you walk out of here, I hope you walk to a table and you come back Tuesday night to celebrate recovery. Or if you're a guy, come Thursday night to our men's club. They had 60 guys here last Thursday. The most they've ever had in the past is like eight or nine or 10. And I told Rob Helton, I said, I'm, I'm praying for 150 come this week. Guys that want to work on their work, walk with God and work on their marriage. That's what the, the study is about. So you're never going to win this crave by walking forward in an altar call. It's just a moment. Walking out is a process and a journey. So here's what you do. As we start to play the song, come forward. All the aisles are available. There's blue chips everywhere. Don't leave. Just come up, put your thing down, pray if you want, walk back to your seat, sing with us, and then I'll dismiss you in a few moments. But I believe this walk we take right now, I mean it, can be the walk that changes this year. 28 days ago, I said this could be the best year of your life. Remember that? Some of you are 28 days in, you're like, "Uh uh-oh. I'm not even through the first month and it's already bad. Okay, put that behind you and start today. Day one is January 28th, right now. And that's what these say, day one. Start the process, come forward, put something down, exchange it for a new life, go back to your seat, go vertical, and then we'll dismiss. So let's take a walk together. You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high.
just sang is a prayer you you never have failed me you've never failed any one of us we've failed you you've never failed me yet and we've heard you've moved the mountains and we believe you can do it again and lord i know there's some right now not believe they're like i i don't have the faith to believe god can do it again god give us confidence in you, not in ourselves, but in you, to see you do miracles like you did in the past. Do it again. Lord, people make commitments today that can change their life and their legacy forever. And Lord, I pray as we walk out, you would enable us through your power to look up to you and look around to others that can help us. And Lord, help us to be victorious in Jesus, because that's where victory is. The name above all names. What a powerful name. What a beautiful name. What a wonderful name. So God, I pray these wouldn't just be songs we sing. This would be a life we live. God, we need you. And we need your people to surround us to live the life you've called us to live. God, help us to do that today and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you need to come up and pray with somebody, our prayer team will be up here. At the front of the stage, I saw prescription drugs. I've seen, I've seen cash up here. Who knows? And I'm praying that this is day one of your journey. So again, we don't meet this midweek. Next week is Super Bowl. It's epic. Bring your receiver gloves. I'm going to be throwing balls all around this auditorium. It's going to be a great week. Bring a friend. Come to Super Bowl next week. God bless you. Have a great week. See ya. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh my gosh, seriously. Dave, this is this is unbelievable. I mean, Dave, look at look oh, at this. Awesome. There's a dollar bill right there. I mean, I hope even at home you're able to write something down or even tell somebody what it is you're giving up and ask God to help you and help, ask that person to help you as well. That's right. You can get the same thing that happened at home that happened here. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly right. I mean, guys, look at I'm just gonna grab something here real fast. People are making declarations of saying, God, I'm pursuing freedom. I'm pursuing wholeness. And I want to just say the same thing to you. If you've joined us today and you're wondering, God, how do I break this addiction? How do I break this cycle? How do I break this trap that I'm in? I want to just tell you right now, just as the team just sang, 
The word of the Lord over your life right now is that the promise still stands. The promise still stands because he is faithful to that which he's promised. So I want you to walk in faith today. I want you to go in faith today and say, Father, I'm believing for a breakthrough. I'm believing for freedom in this area of my life. Because we have thousands of, of, of things strewn across the stage. And we're believing that 2018 is going to be your year of a breakthrough. I believe it. Dave believes it. Our team believes it. So I'm kind of charged up about this. This is a big deal. We're going to see people set free in Jesus' name, and that includes you. Folks, we love you so much. Thanks for tuning into the live broadcast today. Listen, if we can help you out, if we can help you connect, in fact, we invite you to connect with us. Go to kensingtonchurch.org right now. Connect with us on the app. Connect into a small group. We love all of you that join us online. You know, sometimes it can feel like you're just looking through the window, but we want to tell you, you're part of the family. You're part of this this church family. So thanks again for tuning in. Uh, my name's Chris. From our team to your house, we really hope you have an awesome weekend. God bless you. Here's my final words. Whatever you're going through right now, my friend, the promised still stands. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.